everyone. Welcome to another special episode here in Aloha and Peace. I'm Dr. J. I'm a licensed psychologist and psychospiritualist. And as your host for this podcast, Aloha and Peace, I welcome you to the sacred space where you and I get to share different psychology tips, as well as different perspectives, paradigms, and maps to help us along on our healing journey. Now, if you're a spiritualist like myself or a personal development junkie like myself, you are in the right place. And today I have a special, special treat for you. I have joining me today, Tia Johnson. Tia is an intuitive healer, international speaker, and best-selling author of two books. She's also the host of Spiritual and Empowerment Living Podcast. And she's appeared on different publications like Huffington Post, Ben FM, and Australia's AM Woman Online. But given that she has so many different accolades under her belt, you'd be very, very pleasantly surprised to see how much of a down-to-earth person she is. And on this episode, she shares with us her the part of her journey where she's actually learned to heal, to be vulnerable with not just the world, but herself, to be able to tap into that creative part of her that helps her to show up on a day-to-day basis, living the best life possible, manifesting at what she calls the maximum level. So without further ado, please help me welcome Tia Johnson. As I joke with a lot of people, I had the formal and then the informal, but I'm going to do the informal. Yeah. <laughs> so I like to tell people that, you know, I'm from South Philly, born and raised, and I bleed green, you know, because I love my eagles. Uh, but I really do um, enjoy, if I were to use the love language, spending time with people. Mm. Um, so that's, that's definitely my thing. I love a sense of adventure. So I'm, I'm always just trying to figure out how I can live life. So if I were to really explain myself or describe myself informally, it would just be that I just look at the world as this wonderland and I try to connect with as many people as possible and, you know, just just have that that sense of, you know, mystery and livelihood and all that jazz. So I would say that's just me informally. <laughs> I love that. So we met about a couple of years ago, Tia, and I, I absolutely fell in love with your essence. The, like you said, the adventurous person that you are, the sense of wonder that you have for the world. And that's the part that I really connected with. And I love that you shared that informally, because I think that really does help our listeners to hear, I guess, because they can't see, but hear just a little bit about who you are. Um, so with that being said, I would like to ask or start this conversation with, can you share with our listeners what your life purpose is? in the context that life purpose is not a noun, but that it is a verb. So how do you live your life purpose on a day-to-day basis? I absolutely love that. That is the first time I have heard someone say, refer to it as a verb, because mm. that's so true. We're, we're, we're taking action. It's, it's not just, you know, like the, the person, place, or thing, right? It's, it's that. So I would say my day-to-day thing, well, I'll tell you my, one of my processes in the morning. So I, I wake up, but I'm not up, up, as I say, I'm in bed and I'm looking at my alarm and I have a, I title my alarm. So my alarm says, one, one stays your money, baby. <laughs> so like things <laughs> yeah. like that. So I wake it up to that and it's a song playing. It's like Drake or, or some 80s song or something like that. 
And then I, I work on setting intention where I really visualize. I'm a visual person. You can tell me something. You can say your house is 1,600 square feet. That means absolutely nothing to me. Like how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms? Uh-huh. So, so I visualize, highlight my day to play out. And, and then um, as I'm getting ready, I would listen to different motivational uh, uh, videos on YouTube. And then I usually pull an Oracle card. So that's how I'm just living my purpose. I'm just trying to figure out how I could be in my zone mm-hmm. of that high energy where I'm manifesting and not even realizing it where I'm just, you know, setting up, as we were talking briefly um, um, before we started recording, setting up how I can hang out with my friends for lunch, you know, just really plan out everything. So my purpose as a verb is just being in action, just planning, but not being so rigid that I'm, I feel like it's a chore. Some mm-hmm. days I don't listen to anything in the morning and, and I'm in silence. So that's, that's how I live out my purpose, just to be in my zone as often as possible. For, for maximum manifestation, maximum energy to spend time with the people who I care about and care about me mm-hmm. and then proceed that way. Okay, excellent. So you wake up and you intentionally put yourself in your zone, whether that's in silence. I love that you balance, you know, the parts of you that is in that zone or that can be in that zone by saying, well, sometimes I need the silence. But most days I start with visualizing how I see my day going. I listen to inspirational uh, talks on YouTube. And um, I set the intention of spending as much time as I can with people. Does that sound right? Yes. And actually, a uh, uh, little, little side note. So I went to um, Catholic high school, all girls Catholic high school. And um, w- one of the retreats the seniors go on is called Kairos. It's called God's Time. And we went to a retired nun's, um, uh, uh, I guess it was like a small estate or something like that. Mm-hmm. And one day was spent in entire silence. And that's where I, I learned that to, to spend time in silence. <clears throat> Excuse me, back in 12th grade, many, many years ago when I was in high school. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we had the whole day in silence. We ate in silence. We, we were right down in our journals. You know, every, the whole day was in silence. And it was actually really nice. Wow. So that, that still helped me till this day. Yeah. yeah. So how easy or hard was that for you to spend a whole day in silence? Uh, it was actually easier than I thought, especially being what, I don't know, some teenager, what, six, 17, however old I was in 12th grade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. it, it, it didn't really feel bad at all. I mean, we just ate and, you know, sometimes we just smiled at each other. So it, it was really interesting. I didn't, it, it wasn't hard. It was, it was just a natural thing. I mean, granted, we also did not do that on day one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they also gave us uh, an itinerary. So we knew it was coming, but yeah, it, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad thing. So they prepped you for it and you were ready. Yeah, it was, it was natural, but it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't like this rigid, like do not talk or, you know, it was just like, <laughs> you know, day four silence. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Excellent. So Tia, I heard you mention the words uh, maximum manifestation. Can you tell us what that means to you? Yeah. So um, what I learned is that, because I, I read a lot of books about uh, manifestation, being in the vortex and things like that. And what I learned is that when you are really focused, like like really focusing, and I noticed this even, so I'm, I'm also uh, a person who loves games, like video games, stuff like that. And I know anytime I'm just looking elsewhere, like, oh, okay, I'm doing well. And I'll see something and look, break my concentration, I mess up. So whenever I'm actually focused, when I'm 
really just plotting out everything. Okay, you know, I would love for this to go out this way. Like just really visualizing how that's going to work out. Speaking like it's working out. Feeling like it's working out. Like it's there. It's happening. That's what I mean by maximum manifestation. So that's all the 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 action when you're just sitting there. But but then I realized that it really works <laughs> faster when we add on that physical aspect. So yeah, you could be emotionally charged to propel that manifestation, but then you got to get up and move. Like I noticed when I'm taking deep breaths, when I'm exercising, like that's when things really come together. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's because the confidence that comes with, with when you're exercising. So mm-hmm. what I tell people is, you know, manifesting the rate at which you manifest is your emotions times your thoughts but really it's it should be your emotions times your thoughts times your activity yeah <laughs> so th- 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 that's what I mean with that I mean like when, when I'm really hardcore at the gym mm-hmm. feeling good thinking good really being my zone that way oh man things just happen so naturally I don't even recognize it sometimes yeah yeah so <laughs> it's the thoughts times the emotions times the actions is what you're yeah. saying yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So when we think of the law of attraction, a lot of individuals think you just think you just lay there and you picture what you want your life to look like and you're done. But the emotional component is the charge, right? It's the fuel that we need mm-hmm. in order to actually bring that into manif- quote unquote manifestation. And then I love that you said you need to put it into action to use your breath to be moving your body in order to actually bring that about because it actually increases the confidence. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So what are some of the things that you're actually manifesting? So when you say you're manifesting at a maximum level, what is it that you're bringing in? Is it that you want abundance? Do you want love? Like, what does that look like for you? Well, uh, many, I'll start with many years ago because this is one of the things that happened. I didn't realize. And I think that, and I'll tell you what I'm working on now. So many years ago, when I first discovered vision boards, I did the whole thing where you, you know, the whole, you, you do the outline and things like that. I did it with my brothers. Really cool. I had cutouts and stuff like that. And then I am, I will admit, I am not the most patient person. I am patient with older people, dogs, and children. Anything mm-hmm. else, I'm not patient with. <laughs> so, so I was like, oh, this isn't working. And I wrote it up and I put it in the basement somewhere. And even that has a little symbol, uh, symbolism put in the, in the basement, right? So like, ah, it's not working. And then years go by. And I, and I was like, I was just thinking to myself, because what people started to know about my group of friends is that we're like the United Nations. Literally, we have um, a person with an Indian background, a German background, um, uh, a Filipino background, and we're all hanging out together. And people look at us like, how is this possible? So, <laughs> so what I realized is that on my vision board, I literally put a diverse group of people who traveled and I had a picture of a bottle of vodka. Like I had all that on my vision board years ago. I'm like, oh my God, this is literally my life. And I didn't even realize it. And that's a big thing because uh, I was telling people that, you know, I love my city. Where I'm from in South Philly, I only knew Italians and Blacks and Vietnamese people. And then when I went to high school, I learned about Polish and Spanish and Irish people. Then I, when I went to college, I learned about Jamaicans and Haitians. So <laughs> the, the fact that, you know, my world was small, and then it got bigger, bigger, bigger. That's literally my vision board. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and I didn't realize it. So that's what I'm saying, how it just comes so naturally over time. You don't even realize it. And, and with those group of people, we do travel around the world together. We have our yearly like group trips and then we have our little individual trips. 
So that's something that I actually manifested, didn't realize it. Um, and then now, so for the past couple of years, and, and I haven't been as in the zone because I was entertaining the idea, now I'm like serious about it, is actually finding, yeah, the man. So I am um, visualizing that. I actually, and I took action. I've been to some events where they had like the sexy singles events. And <laughs> that event was people on their phone on uh, Snapchat. Like, I can't even make this up. It was a bunch of people on Snapchat, like, oh, we're here. Like, wait a minute, what? Wow. <laughs> people be talking to people. Crazy. Mm-hmm. So um, so that's what I'm working on now. And I actually um, started looking at, like, books of, like, wh- what, how do I want to approach that? Because I did the vision board thing, so I'm thinking I might do something differently, like uh, appeal to the senses, like buying roses like using um, lavender or jasmine, you know, things like that. So you can approach each visualize or each thing you want to manifest differently. So that's one day when I got out of quarantine. <laughs> I'm going to get the flowers and stuff. <laughs> yeah, so, that, so that, that's what I'm working on currently. So I'm, I'm going to get all the, the products that I want. And, and it, it led me that way. Mm-hmm. So with, with, when, when I wanted to visualize how I wanted my life to be, it was, you know, do the cutouts. But now we're finding, you know, love is like appeal to the senses. And I think that's, that's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Indicative or an example of, you Mm -hmm. know, how um, you let yourself lead you. Because, you know, when you're in love with someone, what do you want to do? You want to hug them? You want to hold their hand? Well, I don't like holding hands because it's sweaty. But you know what I mean? Like, you want (laughs) to hug them? (laughs) You want to like, you know, you know, you know, give them a kiss. So, you know, you want to appeal to the senses. So I think Mm -hmm. that's why it's like with this. Your visualization would be the roses, the the scents, um, you know, use cinnamon in, in your drinks and stuff like that. Because cinnamon is, I think it's, it can be an aphrodisiac or something like that. So, yeah. Okay. Wow. So, you actually utilize all five of your senses when you're visualizing and manifesting uh, romantic love. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, I've actually never heard that before. That's awesome. It's so awesome. Um I had a question that I wanted to ask you as you were speaking. It'll come back to me. Uh, It's going to bother me. It'll come back to me. Okay. So for you, it sounds like a lot of your your manifesting and bringing into your life has everything to do with relationships. Mm -hmm. Tell me about relationships and how that's so important to you. Yeah. You know what? No one really asked me that. These are good questions. You're so awesome. I'm glad I met you. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it, actually it started with um, my family. I mean, I, I had a pretty cool childhood. My, my pop-up. Um, so he had friends and family in different areas in, in Philly and outside of Philly. And some of my earliest memories are with him getting on Amtrak, you know, going to Bryn Mawr. Or, mm-hmm. you know, going to a bus station and smell like cigars. And I thought it was the coolest thing. It had like the wooden chairs that looked like pews. Um, it had like the uh, <clears throat> Amtrak just got rid of it, but they had the rotating um, times and, and, and bus or train schedules. And it, it made that cool little noise. Okay. Uh, so so I, I just love like the bus stations and things like that and, and just traveling. And we just had such a tight knit relationship. And he served in the Vietnam War. And he, he told me things that I still use to this day. He would say things like, he used to call me Pooh. He said, Pooh, don't go the same way you came. We would just go to Broad Street. People from Philly know what I'm talking about, so I'm sorry if I'm using the term, but Broad Street is just, it's it, in South Philly, there's the Rite Aid. It's just different stores you can go to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and he'll say, don't go the same way you came. You never know who's watching you. 
and, and and then as I got older and I'm walking around and you know wherever I'm at you know is situational awareness you know especially as a woman or you know so just things like that in my neighborhood it wasn't ever bad but it was just ingrained in town from the military and so it panned out for me when I was you know in college and things like that um and and then even tighten it with my grandmother so my mom she um she would be at work already early in the morning. So my grandparents would get me ready in the morning. And I'm not, I love the mornings when I don't have to do anything, like work hard. Like I love this. Like I love talking with people like you in the morning. Just, I love it. But mm-hmm. to like really, you know, like <laughs> answer emails, <laughs> like no. So even as a kid, I didn't like to get up early to go to school. So she would say things like, Santa Claus isn't going to give you any gifts if you don't get up. <laughs> so, and she, so I was like, all right. And I would get up and then she would make breakfast and the house would smell so good. And, mm-hmm. you know, she would just take me to school. So, and then when I come home from school, the house would smell good. She would bake bread and sweet potatoes would be cooking. And it was just such a great time. So it really just started with, with them. You know, my, my mom just really providing a strong, you know, foundation, you know, financially and things like that. And, so, yeah, so over the years, I would call my grandmother in between classes at college. Like, that's how tight we were. So, yeah, it just started with that good, you know, foundation. Even my stepdad was there. My uncles were there. So, it was just their really tight family, yeah, relationships. So, that, that's really where it all started. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, it started with family and all of your memories in the mornings of what that was like to wake up to all the smells and all the, the beautiful sights of, you know, the loved ones around you, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. starting, it sounds like you, you had a, an awesome time with, were your grandparents, um, did they use a lot of humor? Yes. Oh, they had jokes for days. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, I pick up on that a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So speaking of your grandparents, I know that this is a, a, a part of your heart that you hold very near and dear because it's an experience that has changed your life. In particular, your relationship to your grandparents and how that's changed you, right? Mm-hmm. Can you tell oh, us yeah. a little bit more about what that, I obviously, I know the story, but can you share with our listeners what that is, the story? Oh, yeah, yeah. So this was, uh, I want to say like about maybe a year. I had like a, a year and a semester, I think, left mm-hmm. of my undergrad. And my grandmother was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And, and I, I knew something was, was going on was up because she was, you know, overall a very nice person. She was one of those people, five foot three, petite, very nice but don't take her niceness, her kindness for weakness, right? Because then she mm-hmm. had to tell you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, but then she just, she was just uh, like uh, irritated often and, and just, just she just wasn't herself. So I'm just like, something's really going on here. <clears throat> and then finally we found out she had stage four cancer and I, we were just like, what? And she had quit smoking about maybe a, mm, a couple of months or a year before that. So I think smoking kind of suppressed it. I don't know. But anyway, she had COPD and then uh, stage four cancer. Mm-hmm. And that was a really hard time. When I tell you, I cried all the time. I'm glad I didn't wear makeup back then. There was no way to go to the I mean, strangers were asking me, are you all right? And mm-hmm. I was working, you know, full time at my job. I would just go to the bathroom stall and cry like all mm-hmm. the time on the bus everywhere. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, so she had passed like right before I graduated. And my, 
Uh, yeah, and, and then I felt kind of bad because one time, just um, so we had tried to get her an oxygen tank because she just really couldn't breathe on her own, hardly. And the oxygen tank was was clearly faulty. She went down one, so they had to do a test. She had to go down one flight of steps, test her oxygen levels. You, you get the machine, basically. Mm-hmm. And so she went down to one flight of steps with the doctor, came back up, and she's like basically having an asthma attack. And I know what that feels like because I have asthma or had asthma. And, I, and the doctor just said, oh, well, we can't give it to her because her oxygen level was the same. I'm thinking, that's impossible. It can't be. So it's just like, you know, I, I don't ever want to have an argument or disagreement with a doctor. So I felt bad. It was just really trying times. Like, I even took the test. I said, how are our oxygen levels the same? Like, look at her. She's basically having an asthma attack. I'm fine. So it's just it's a lot of emotions that arise when you're dealing with that. So <clears throat> mm-hmm. then my papa passed away. And uh, we actually had to find him. So he would spend a lot of time at the VA, that's Veteran Affairs, the hospital for veterans. And he would confide in me, you know, that's my best friend, you know, blah, 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 stuff like that. Yeah. And I actually teamed up with his cousin. So he saw me graduate. He saw me walk down the aisle, got, you know, in graduation. And uh, so I teamed up with his cousin. We, we just couldn't find him. And he had passed out in the street. And this is, yeah, this is like, what so he had uh diabetes and he had um a bracelet on him that said if an emergency called this number and this address and the funny thing is he would just tell me that he had to get a new one because we had just moved oh no so they were calling the old house and no one was there so we his cousin found him at the morgue and that just I'm like this is only a year and a half it wasn't even that long ago my grandmother passed away mm-hmm. and then it's like boom another hit so that just destroyed me. I mean, like, it, it was just, I, I really had to piece myself back together. And wow. um, because it's just, these are, as people say, you know, my day one people, like, they were legit my day one people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it just terrified me. And, and that's what also kind of postponed me having serious relationships because I didn't want to feel that hurt ever again. I know other people I know are going to pass. But I'm like, why add one more to the equation? Yeah. So it it just I it really took wow. me two two years two years to really piece it together and and um and now I have triggers every now and then but yeah it really took two years to get over both their deaths. Mm-hmm. Wow. So these are the you call them your day one people. These are the people that practically raised you. And mm-hmm. one after another, within a span of a year and a half, you've lost both of them. Mm-hmm. And you have right. to, you said, piece yourself together and took you two years. This is probably the biggest reason why you've pushed off having serious relationships because you don't want to add to that hurt. Right. Mm-hmm. What would you say, Tia, was the biggest game changer for you in terms of changing your perspective on um, no longer feeling that loss? Oh, hands down, my best friend, hands down. Um, so, so uh, well, my, my best friend in college helped a lot. And then um, after college, not, not because of anything in particular, you know, you just grow in life and you go your, your separate ways, you know. So we, we keep in touch every now and then. Um, but then uh, my current best friend, I met her, we went to the same university and I met her after, after college. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and, and we're both business majors. Um, that's hilarious. Uh, so. Um, yeah, so she she uh, she's not from Pennsylvania, so she um, ended up getting a, a place to live in Pennsylvania even after college. Mm-hmm. She was working in Philly, and we met through a mutual friend. And at that time, I was just hanging around uh, a lot of guys, no particular reason. I'm just 
um, how, how do I put it? I just tend to hang around guys a lot. Like I just, that's what I did. I played pool a lot and th- like it was, and it wasn't many women playing pool and stuff like that. So, uh, she was the first like female friend that I had in a, in a little while. So I'm like, oh, this is cool. We could go like get our nails done and stuff. Um, <laughs> so we just started hanging out, getting to know each other. And at the time she was dating a guy and, you know, going through her things and, and I actually helped her be vulnerable and not even realize it again going back to the whole like natural thing that happened not realizing it and she was guarded so me being there for her when she was going through her breakup and you know things like that and figuring out job situation it actually came back around mm-hmm. and you know then she just she our friendship just grew deeper and deeper and we travel you know she's like hey you want to go to Mexico I'm like yeah so it, it just like every step that we did just made our friendship stronger and stronger and you know then I just started opening up because I met her right around the time like towards the end of I think like my pop-up asked me something like that so just like hanging out with her just the presence just you know being there Mm -hmm. uh it just it just grew and then like I said we started doing one thing after another after another and now we've been friends for almost like what 12 years now so it, it was just that process of just one being here to I don't judge and and that's the thing a lot of people are always so grateful like you could talk to T about anything she just does not judge you I will judge you if you do not cook my food right I tell people that I hate you with your heart do not invite me you have your over priorities your house. yes do not invite me over your house if you and you know when you're not a good cook for the most part do not invite me over your house if you cannot cook I will judge you <laughs> so hard, so hard, <laughs> okay? But, you know, if you're just like, you're like, hey, I did this in life, I did that in life, and, I'll, you know, I'll, I will help you find a solution, I'll help you figure it out, you know, because people go through things, okay? So, yeah, so that, that's what really helped, uh, mm-hmm. and, and like, now is yeah, we're, we're just so close, it's ridiculous, like, there isn't anything we haven't talked about We've been a Turkish bass together, and you know you're naked. So, like, yeah. <laughs> so we're like, we're yeah. So we're all good. But yeah, yeah, she helped tremendously. So it sounds like Tia, the, the things that I'm hearing is that her presence, being there for you, obviously because your your love language is quality time, spending time together. So not just her presence, but the fact that you're able to be vulnerable with her in such a way that she actually saw a that part of you that you've probably hid away, right? Like hidden since your mm-hmm. grandparents had passed um, for her to be able to see parts of you that you had been hiding, helped you to heal and go through that grieving process. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Would you say, oh, actually, let me ask it this way. What would you say in your life? Because I truly believe that as spiritual beings, having this human experience, we are here to heal our souls. There are aspects of us through many lifetimes before that we need to heal. And healing is what creates the expansion and the growth. So what would you say is your biggest healing moment so far? Mm, That's a really good question. My biggest healing moment so far, I I would have to say really just understanding that it's 100% okay to be yourself because I... I was someone who wanted to show the world that, well, and my, my world was small at the time, <laughs> that, you know, hey, I'm smart. I know this. I got this. Like, I was all about academics. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. you know, just look at the academics. Like, I'm a cool person. 
but check this out. I got a, a certificate for, you know, this and that and that and this, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So my biggest feeling moment was like, hey, it's, it's okay to be mm-hmm. yourself. And what a relief that is. It's, it's such a relief. You know, it's, it's just like, you know, I, I remember when uh, <clears throat> I had first starting wearing like different hair color wigs, I had got this like dark green, really cool wig and it was short and it flipped up. And I was like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to be labeled and stuff like that. But I had this really creative side to me. Yeah. You know, like people don't see it during the wintertime so much, but I have tattoos and stuff. Like I, I really, I'm a really creative person. I'm like, I really like this. I got it. And I, I wore it on a weekend and you know, some people loved it. I'm like, oh my gosh. But then it got to the point where people were stopping me like, where did you get your hair done? I'm like, wait, I don't want to set you up because I know this is about $300 process. <laughs> They're like, what? But then what happened was I ended up going to Iceland and I ended up, um, <clears throat> looking at it like, man, this would have been like a really cool wig to wear. And then the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And like, I have a green wig, I have green hair. <laughs> so when I went to Iceland, I had this really cool, like bluish green color. It was like from the Iceland collection, which was like crazy that my nail salon just so happened to have the Icelandic collection nail polish. So I'm like, well, I'm going to Iceland. Let me go get like that color. So I had like these really pretty, like bluish green nails. I had the green wig. I had my green eagle sweater. It was, everyone was like, we love your hair. So, I'm <laughs> sure, so I know that I inspired other people just through like wanting that hair color or, you know, just want to be creative that maybe even if they can't do it during a weekday or day, day mm-hmm. job, maybe they can get it's extensions. They can just clip on a little, whatever it is for them. So I, mm-hmm. I, I just look at it as that relief of like, that him like no no really it's, it's okay be yourself because you never know who you're gonna inspire just like when the way you're feeling someone else is feeling that way too and about a hundred maybe even a thousand even a million other people are feeling exactly the same way you feel like you're yeah. definitely not alone mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I still remember being in one of my classes and I think it was an undergrad and a professor had said something that really hit home to me and it was one of those really difficult classes where it just went right above my head because it had everything to do with numbers and economics and I remember the professor looking at me going listen if you have a question about something speak up because that means there are other people in the class that have the same exact question and I remember mm-hmm. hearing that, like, if I can raise my hand and sound stupid and it helps five other people because they're feeling exactly the same way, then I'm going to do mm-hmm. it for them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just mm-hmm. what it, it reminded me of. You're, you're sharing with me saying, you be you, you know, be that creative side of you if you have that. I mean, we all have it, but be that part of you that you've been afraid to be because you inspire other people by doing that. You give mm-hmm. p- people the permission to be themselves just by you being yourself, right? Absolutely. I love that. I love that. So was there one particular moment that helped you to realize this healing that you needed that, yeah, you know what? I'm going to be a freak. Like I don't have to rely on my accolades to mean something. Like I'm just going to be me. Was there a specific moment alongside the Iceland moment or would you say that was it? I would think it, it's a, a collection of moments because I started thinking about, man, what if this author didn't write this book? Mm-hmm. Because when, when I really started diving into spirituality, I was reading a lot of things that made sense, things that I didn't know had a name to it. I just thought everyone had these things, like my premonition dreams and my vision. I thought everyone, everyone, well, people do have them, but just growing up, I just thought that was just a normal thing. Like I would talk to my grandmother about it because she was 
all it like she knew she she understood dreams and we just talked about it mm-hmm. so but it, it wasn't like oh this is spirituality oh that's because of a past life oh that's an archangel you know like I didn't learn it till later I was like oh wow that's what I saw so it was a collection of moments and and I really started to think like wow I'm learning the, the 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 names to what I've been experiencing what if this author never wrote that book and I can only imagine how that author felt putting himself herself out there like oh my god yeah. this is some crazy stuff you know and then I thought about leaders Dr. Martin Luther King you know um Sojourner Truth you know I think about all these people like what if they didn't do what they did I mean like some of them paid the the ultimate cost yes mm-hmm. but it's just like but what if they never did it where would I be so I was like you know what I gotta I gotta throw all this out the door I have to be myself because if I'm not, who am I denying? Who am who am I not helping? Mm-hmm. Because I, these people, I will never meet them, but they helped me tremendously. So I had to do this. So that it was, so it's, it's a collection of moments that just hit me. The more I read, the more I watched videos, the more I had conversations. Like this is crazy. And then what I realized is that when I post some stuff on like any social media, sometimes I see the people. Sometimes they're my friends. Sometimes you know whatever friend of a friend and they said oh I, I really like what you posted they're, they're really you know like hit home or something like that and they they never you know respond they don't hit a like because it's personal for a lot of people mm-hmm. so I, I'm there for those people not just the people that's like oh yeah yeah this is yeah I know what you mean I'm there for those people who are trying to work through something in silence mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's that it's a collection of moments that just hit me with that realization gotcha you've actually shared so much in that last sentence or not sent but a couple sentences that you just shared that I don't even know which where to tap into first so tell us about these premonition and dreams because anything spiritual I'm like gaga over so tell me about that <laughs> yeah so th- those were um very interesting uh so as a, a kid I mean like nine ten something like that th- these ones weren't like the happiest ones I, I had a uh, premonition dreams of people who passed away but they passed away like years later mm-hmm. um and i had to piece it together so what so I, I tell you about one um uh dream i had a dream it was i was in an office and the office was green and it, it like it was like a celebration and some some guy just walked up to me and said oh so and so passed i'm like what huh and it, it and our neighbor had passed on like christmas eve or something like that i'm like oh duh office party and so your dreams cater to how you would perceive it because I associate Christmas with like parties and then like I would see a lot of office parties you know like mm-hmm. because of Christmas movies like uh, trading places that took place in Philly is an office party so that's how your dreams work uh I had uh premonition dreams about actually yeah, you know, a lot of people passing um and then some premonition dreams were about trips so I had a premonition dream about uh Iceland and Ireland and it was it was, I saw Northern Lights and, and uh, um, it was like a rainbow or something like that. Wow. And my, my best friend said, oh, she called me like the next day. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to Ireland, blah, blah, blah. Don't tell anybody yet. Uh, I'm like, oh, that's crazy. I'm going to Iceland. Uh. <laughs> so and it was like in the window and I was looking <laughs> out. I'm trying to think of other things. I, I wrote a lot of them down. Oh, I had a, a premonition dream. And I didn't know that my best friend going to give me this. I had a premonition dream of the rain that she ended up giving. So uh for uh Christmas she gave me this really cool like a sapphire ring and it had like little diamonds in it and um like years ago I had this dream that 
I had found some jewelry that washed up on shore and I opened it like some something inscribed on it. Mm-hmm. And someone's like, Oh yeah, it came from um I think he said China. Or, I don't remember. I wrote it down. I think he said it came from China or Japan, something like that. And it was a school bus there because I was like a teacher for the kids or something like that. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, well, well we should like figure out like who this belongs to, whatever like that. And my best friend actually spent like uh, she did, like a travel study in China. So it's, it's just like crazy once the stuff start putting itself together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just things like that, or or like if something happens, like if there's a disagreement coming up with someone. Uh, usually my dreams would, would appear of like um, something that's symbolic of that person. So say, say um, like a friend gave me um, like a bracelet. I had, I had another friend give me a bracelet one time. The bracelet would break in the dream or it mm-hmm. would crack. So mm-hmm. well, it wouldn't break. It would like crack. And I, now I know like, oh, we're going to have like a little disagreement. So like my, no, it also gives me head. Yeah. So I just, I just know it's going to happen. And I know that you know, sometimes when people talk, we don't mean to, uh, like, say certain things, but we're just trying to get a point across, and it happens to the best of us sometimes, so with that dream, that little crack in the breast, like, oh, okay, I know we're going to have a disagreement, so let me monitor my emotions and, mm-hmm. and my tongue, because, yeah. you know, it can be sharp and not realize it, because sometimes we don't know that a word we can say can hurt somebody. Someone might have got abused as a child, and one word could be a trigger word for them, and we don't know that. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. so it's like, okay, the crack bracelet happened. So mind the next conversation you have with that person. That has happened before where I got that heads up. So mm-hmm. that's as, as a child, it was more like, you know, be prepared. These people are, you know, and I even had like a premonition about my grandmother passing. So it's like, yeah. keep in mind all this. But then now as an adult, it's a lot of heads up. Gotcha. For like, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Okay. So your grandmother was very important in, or pivotal in um, helping you to accept or I guess embrace what was happening or what you were seeing in your dreams and to acknowledge what they were. They were premonitions. They weren't just coincidence or, or um, accidents. Yeah. So she, um, she didn't call it spirituality, but she definitely was a believer. She would say, oh, someone got rooted you know, when like something like a curse or something like that. And she, uh-huh. she just understood that world. And what yeah. she would do is she had a lot of uh, dream books and a lot of books about numbers mm-hmm. and she would cross reference them and play the lottery and she would hit, she would, she would hit the lottery. <laughs> um, so like, for example, she would have a dream about a black cat and, and one of her brothers. So she would look up in her numerology book, the number for like a black cat and the number mm-hmm. for a brother. And she would cross reference it in her dream book or something like that. And, and it would look like Sudoku puzzles. Like she would just yeah. like circle the numbers and she, and she would always know when my birthday is coming out. So anyone listening to this, if you play the lottery, my birthday is 831. Start playing it around the second week of August <laughs> to like the first week of September. It's going to cost you a little bit of money because there's a daytime, nighttime lotto and stuff like that. So just play it. It's, it's sometimes it comes out a little bit early in July. But if you want to make some money, <laughs> play 831 box, which means it could come out uh, 318 or 183 you know so no matter how it comes out play that so that that's my my gift to you play my birthday <laughs> in August it will come out I'm telling you she but she would like get it down to like oh yeah mm-hmm, it's coming out this like she just knew I, I don't know yeah. she had a method it worked 
<laughs> wow, that's so funny. So when I started this um, intense part of my spiritual side of the journey, um, I would hear things or you know see things during uh, meditations or when I would put myself in a deep trance, and I would literally think that I was developing schizophrenia. And this is why it's so important for people to understand that when we think of the DSM-5 or the Diagnostic Statistic Manual for, you know, quote-unquote um, clinical, you know, mental illnesses, it's, it really is arbitrary. And the list of things that we could even Google and look up what it means to have generalized anxiety disorder or schizophrenia or whatever the label is, they're just checklists. They don't really mean anything because had I, un had I believed that I had schizophrenia, I would not have embraced the the gifts that came along the way, right? So for you, you could mm -hmm. see in your dreams and have premonitions about what's coming. When I put myself in deep trances, I can hear things and see things. But in the beginning, it was really scary, right? To be able to see and hear things that people didn't understand. I didn't know how to share this with people. Um, or like I would just say things that I had no idea came out of nowhere, like in a conversation. So for example, mm -hmm. um, I have a friend that I was working on a project with and just, I blurted out out of nowhere towards the end of one of our conversations about our project. If we need to pause this because your partner isn't going to be happy about the work that we're doing, we're going to have to do that. And I remember he looked at me, he was like, what are you talking about? And then that night they had that exact conversation and he would text me and say something about what had happened. And and it's so funny because I can tell in the way that my language has changed. So even in mm -hmm. the language that I'm using to speak about my spiritual journey, it's changing. And Tia, I know you're mm -hmm. all about being vulnerable with the right people um, because that really helps us with our healing and our growth. And that's so, so important for all of us to understand that, you know, we don't have or we can't engage in a life purpose or leave a legacy behind outside of the context of relationships, right? Mm -hmm. If there aren't other people, none of this matters. Mm -hmm. And I loved yeah. one of the other things that I had thought about as you were telling us about um, your, your grandparents and how you're inspired and how you're being vulnerable in your life now and just being you and tapping into that creative side. And you were mentioning all of these people like Martin Luther King Jr. And about how if they hadn't been vulnerable and chosen to follow what their heart told them to follow, then how different world our, our world would look. I remember a, a movie that I watched. Um, it's called Take Me to the Greek, I think. And it, it has um, Russell Brand and Jonah Hill. And in that movie specifically, I learned more about life purpose than I did anywhere else. And it's one of those, you know, really silly, like um, mm -hmm. <laughs> it uses a sense of humor that I typically don't enjoy. So I'm really surprised that I even watched that movie. But it's from that movie that I really learned life purpose is a verb. It's about what you do. It's not about walking down the street, expecting a light bulb to go off and go, oh, that's why I'm here. Right. It, mm -hmm. It's not a, a major thing that happens to us. It's what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. For me, when I work with clients and they're stuck and they're thinking about, well, what's my life purpose? How do I find it? And that energetic block, so to speak, when I work with my clients, it totally gets dissolved as soon as we realize that life purpose isn't something that you find. It's something that you have within you. So as long as you choose to follow what makes you smile, what makes you laugh, what lights you up, what your body buzzes about thinking about, like that's 
all we have to do. That's quote unquote our life purpose. And you, and you have a full-time job outside of being that coach. So you mm-hmm. know more than anyone else that, you know, living your life purpose doesn't always mean I'm going to do this, you know, 24 hours a day and I'm going to make money doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, absolutely. yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you fulfill that part of you with the work that you do as that spiritual and empowerment coach? Yeah. And I, I love what you said about the movie. You, you never know where that message is going to come from. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. For, for, for me, like, so when I started diving into spirituality and reading books, n- not just about uh, like Oracle cards or things like that, but I started reading the history a lot of things. And I guess a lot of this come from a combination of my curiosity and the fact that my papa was a history buff. And um, what I learned was that a lot of our sayings, a lot of our um, activities, things that are really ingrained in our everyday uh, calendars and things like that, go back to ancient times. And I got really, it was like a, a ang- like I was just so angry because I'm just thinking to myself, all this time, because, you know, the more you learn, the more you, you, you see, like, people who condemn spirituality and say, oh, this is the, the, the root to the devil and things like that. And what I learned is like, wait a minute, <laughs> a lot of the stuff that we do now is because of ancient ways. And a lot of, and, and I'm not knocking, you know, any, you know, religion. I'm just saying that before a lot of, a lot of the modern day mainstream religions, mm-hmm. there was the ancient ways. And there were campaigns done to get rid of the ancient way because that's what people do back then. You know, they conquer different civilizations, they burn books, and like, all right, here's my way now, and your way is gone. And so when I learned that, when I learned that the days of the week are named after Norse gods and goddesses, and, you know, of course we have Sunday, and, you know, that's named after the sun, but, you know, like Monday after moon and Friday after Freya and Thursday after Thor, and like, what? And I just started learning about the origins of Christmas and Easter. And I'm just like, this is crazy. And honeymoon is really because in ancient times, you would, the, the husband and wife would be excused for a month. So typically they would get married on a full moon. So it'd be from moon to moon, hence the moon part. And they would be given like a jar of honey. And they were just like, all right, here you go. And you're excused from all your duties for a month. So it's like honeymoon. And it's, it's just so crazy. So when I learned all that, I'm like, you know what? I solely... And, and I do help men from time to time, but I just like, you know what? I want to solely help women remember who they are mm. because it was once matriarch and before a king, a man couldn't become a king until he married a queen. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, I want to help women remember exactly who they are, period. Like I want them to heal I want them to, like you said, break those energetic blocks. And I want them to remember who they are because I was getting so tired of seeing time after time, women giving up their identity, Mm. just like everything, everything to help people. And they got next to nothing in return. And I'm not saying, you know, if you compromise with someone, like look at like, uh, for example, Michelle Obama and and Barack Obama, she, uh, someone was telling me how she took a step back from her career and helped him and if mm-hmm. she went back to her career that's mm-hmm. perfect that that's totally fine you know it worked out they had a discussion cool I'm talking about the, the women who don't get appreciated they do so much they put their own even health on the back burner mm-hmm. okay they get downplayed 
degraded and they're wondering why am I here? Yeah. They're wondering, they're wondering if they're powerful. I'm telling you, you are powerful. And just like you said about the, the schizophrenia and stuff like that, the number one thing I hear from these women is that they thought they were crazy because they, they, they get that intrusive head. They hear things, they feel things, they know things, they see things, but because they've just been so, um, so a hard pressed to, oh, well, you got to do this for, you know, your family and your man and your kids and then and your job and this and that. They just put everything else to the side. So when mm-hmm. the intuition is practically screaming at them after sending you little whispers and little notes and stuff like that, like, hey, hey, you know, it's like, well, what, what do I do? Because I'm hearing this thing and I know I'm not supposed to be hearing things. So yeah, that, that's, that, that's where that comes from is, to help women remember who they are. Yeah. Period. And and once they can remember their their power, their greatness, then everything else comes together. Like I didn't off the back start learning about goddesses. I started with angels. Mm-hmm. And then it led me to another thing and another thing and another thing. And now I'm just like, well, la di da. Let me spread this word out. We done yeah. reached the top now. <laughs> yeah, wow. So you help women, sometimes men, you help individuals who are over-nurturing, um, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word at the moment. So you help individuals who are in that boat to find their origins and to connect to their intuition. Just by remembering who they are, they can find their power. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. Okay, excellent, excellent. So Tia, before <clears throat> I ask you to share with us where we can find more about you, I'm going to ask you this one question. If you could have any superpower in the world, what would it be? Mm. And so initially I would say um, time travel, but then I would just set myself up to relive memories and hurt even more. Mm. So what, what I would say is um, superpowers, like not flying, not invisibility. I, I would say that the power to multiply something. The so, power to multiply something. I've never mm-hmm. heard that before. Tell me more. Well, because when I think about it, we, we, you know, we love abundance and things like that. But like, what if I could put my hand on a hundred dollar bill and multiply that and make it $500? What if I could put my hand on, I don't know, a cup of coffee and have three cups of coffee. Now my <laughs> friends could drink coffee. I think that'd be a cool thing to have. Just like, you know, I mean, I'm not going to be fighting crime or anything like that, but you know, if I can help someone, you know, I see a homeless person, I got a dot in my pocket, doop, 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 doop. Like, I was dancing, <laughs> like, here you go, 20 bucks, you know, so I, I would like the power to multiply something. Oh, that's you know, so I, fun. I think that would be great. That is so fun. <laughs> and, and I do have to say, I, I have my memories crossed. So it was at a retired uh, father, like the, the priest home. Mm-hmm. I went to a retired nun's home for Dr. Martin Luther King Day, but the actual, like the, the, um, the mini mansion, whatever it was, it was for retired fathers. So I had my memories crossed, but yeah, okay. Okay. as I said earlier. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. <laughs> Excellent. So Tia, for those of us that are interested in learning more, where can we find you? Yeah. So I am on Instagram at Tia underscore Johnson underscore. And my website is TiaMarieJohnson.com. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing your essence with us today, Tia. Oh, thank you for having me. I had so much fun. If you guys enjoyed listening to Tia's story as much as I did, please go ahead and share this episode with someone that you love. You can also go onto Apple iTunes and leave a review. It will help others like yourself 
find some aloha and peace today. Thanks so much, guys. I'll talk to you guys soon.